Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris and, well, we're sitting out here on this uh, rather rain-soaked Monday morning. I've uh, been out coaching people on the beach. It, it, not suitable for being out there right now. Um, it's windy and cold, so I've decided to do this particular podcast sitting on my balcony uh, overlooking. So we're going to get a bit of traffic noise, not much, I hope. And uh, therefore, I hope we get good clarity for your listening pleasure. And today, I want to talk about something that quite often doesn't get talked about. So, when you go to a spiritual ashram, which I've spent a lot of time doing, in the past, you spend an inordinate amount of time doing absolutely nothing. You go there, you go in the front gate, they uh, check you in at the reception, and uh, well, you might do a little yoga practice at 4am or something pretty fancy, or chanting at lunchtime. You'll have a brekkie, you'll have lunch, you'll have dinner, and the rest of the time you do nothing. It's like, and now what we're going to do is, and now what we're going to do is, and now what we're going to do. No, there's nothing. Rest. And the confrontation of a spiritual retreat is the fact that you do nothing. There's no pina coladas, there's no TV, there's no escapes, there's books. You're allowed to read books, and some, in Zen you don't, but in the more yogic ones where it's all paradise and and uh, beautiful, beautiful manicured properties um, you do nothing, nothing they might have a veggie garden you could go and uh, if, if you're going nuts they might give you a, a shovel you can go and chop the veggies or sho- uh, shovel the dirt maybe you can get a job in the kitchen uh, preparing preparing the vegetables for lunch or dinner there won't be any steaks on the barbecue I can tell you that for the fact but uh, and then when we come into the everyday life and we, we go I've got seven areas of life one of them is called spiritual and uh, <coughs> the spiritual is basically non-intellectual it's, it's not my head that I need to be managing it's my being your being is all seven areas of life it's not just one whereas you might go to work and they want to know you who are you mentally so they might say "Give give us your thoughts and immediately you jump straight up and go into your head you might play footy or uh, soccer or, or squash and spend a lot of time down in your boots, running around, um, sometimes aggressively, uh, you know, and that's your got-to level, and you're down there, and that's what they want you to do. And every now and again, your body responds with a goal. Um, sometimes you might go out for dinner with your partner and use your want-to area, your heart, and be in that part of your body. So you can see how. Um, we can so easily compartmentalize 
uh, each of the seven areas of life into what's called time and space. So at work, uh, somebody says, I want you to deliver me a report and it needs to be done by 10 o'clock. You get down, you've got two hours to do it in and by 10 o'clock it's done. There it is delivered, 10 o'clock time. It's done and what they call time and space. Space is the thing, means a report, that's the space. Time is the time zone. We do things in time and space. Spirituality has nothing to do with time and space. It's the part of you that doesn't care about time and space. If you talk, if you talked about the human soul, it doesn't know time and space. So it doesn't give a shit whether you do it today, tomorrow, or yesterday. Um, it, nor does it care whether it materializes into a material form. The spiritual side of things is the intangible. So when we're giving due time or due effort to each of the seven areas of life, we can quite often underestimate what the spiritual area is all about. And it comes to the opportunity to do something for a change in a busy life without time constraint. So let's say you go down the beach, you come down to Bondi, you park the car, you put two, two hours in the parking meter, off you go down the beach, sit down, put out the towel, jump in the water, swim as much as you can, come back, dry yourself. Oh, it's one hour and 15 minutes. We've got 25 minutes before we have to leave uh, and the parking meter expires. What will we do for 25 minutes? Let's, let's relax. We relax for 15 then let's get the sand off, have a quick shower in the outdoor showers and rush back, get to the car before the parking cop gives you a $400 fine. Time, space, relaxation. So relaxation has even been put into a time constraint thing, which is a form of intensity, a form of presence. So you can be incredibly present while you relax because you've got boundaries around that relaxation. You can be very present at work because you've got time and space constraints on delivery and, and promotion. What with all, and you've got time and uh, space constraints in a relationship because somebody wants something, they want it done by this time, you're having lunch at that time, this has to be done by that time, you need to get to bed by eight o'clock or 10 o'clock. There's got time and space, you need to have sex, it needs to get done within this period of time because after that you'll be late for work. And it's all done within time and space constraints, which is an enormous amount of pressure on your central nervous system, which will be measured by the heart rate variability on your aura ring and many other things such as your mood, your tiredness, your awakening. But the spiritual side of you doesn't respond to intensity in the same way and yet it needs some. The spiritual side of you is the equivalent to this. Let's just say somebody at work said, I need the annual report done and you can, and I need you to do it really well. What I'd like you to do is take 20 times longer than you need to to do it. I want you to take the notepad and pencil and just go and sit in the back garden and and think about it. And then I want you to go down the beach if you would like and walk along the beach visualising it. And then what I want you to do is go and talk to somebody about it and see what they think and then spend a bit of time in front of it. Just do whatever you'd like to do 
and over a considered period of time, whatever it takes, just like a, an ashram, bring together a business plan. You would remember how it feels to be young. Where as a kid playing footy, you're usually playing in the backyard, you usually didn't care about time because somebody would yell out the window, it's time to come inside. And you'd go, what? I've only been out here forever. You'd get a surprise. And so you'd get this memory of how it feels to immerse yourself in your work, to immerse yourself in love making, to immerse yourself in relaxation. And immersing yourself in things is a very important part of performance. <clears throat> I was told by a colleague that there's a book come out that talks about athletic performance in the language of sleep. What this author has said, if sleep was considered to be a, high, a performance drug, it would be banned. The effect on, of sleep on sport performance has been underestimated for years. People would like to get up at 4am, go to bed at 9pm, sleep less, train more and think that that is going to increase sport performance. It doesn't. There are minimum requirements of recovery for every piece of muscle tissue you use, both cardiovascular and physiological. And therefore, if the body doesn't get a chance to rebound, it will need a drug. And so there are a lot of people advocating train more, sleep less, but they will be using all sorts of things to try and compensate for the lack of sleep. And that's important for you to know. Sleep is a zone in which spiritual development takes place. So let's now talk a little bit about the consequence of spiritual development. The consequence of it. Belief. The, the thing people feel when they get around you and you speak, your depth of commitment and conviction about what you're saying can only come through the wallowing in or the immersion in the thing you're doing. And yet, because time and space is the metric or the measure of your performance at work, there is no time for immersion. You're getting things done, getting things done, getting things done, triggering your nervous system, getting things done, getting things done, being as grateful as possible, turning up, being present, having certainty of the future, having a vision, getting things done, getting things done. And if I say to you, take 10 minutes to do some homework on a day for yourself, for your inner wealth, it will be hard to find the time because you're getting things done, you're getting things done, you're getting in things done. And while you're getting things done, it's really quite profound. You're producing output. There is no immersion because immersion takes time, timelessness. Time and space must evaporate in 
immersion. Now, there are people who are afraid of this thing called immersion. Uh, They're afraid to do nothing. And so they'll even try to read a book or listen to a podcast or music or whatever it is because they're mistaking relaxation and sleep for the concept of spiritual immersion. Spiritual immersion comes from being sitting in a very uh, controlled way. It's not sloth. It's being aware of where you're sitting and how you're sitting. So it's being alert but doing nothing. But being alert can trigger us into how long is this going to take and therefore make us uncomfortable trying to immerse ourselves. One of the reasons that yoga was first created was so yogis could sit in an upright position for long periods of time without aches and pains in the cross-leg position. So I think it's really important when it comes to visualizing your future when you come when you come to saying what's 2023 going to look like instead of going up into your head and reciting a whole lot of scriptures and ideas and plans that you you've thought up it's really important to go down deep inside your hara now your hara is below your diaphragm so it's not in the need to area it's the the should and the got to level just above the should just in there is what's called the hara it's the voice of the soul it's where you are grounded but not reactive in that area of your body there's an energy it's the third chakra the second between the second and the third chakra and in that area of your body there's a lot of power so the the, the forces, the, the life forces come in at the base at Gotu, come in the bottom of the pyramid. They go up and they migrate from gross expression, which is bipolar or fight flight or radical reaction or past future at the bottom of the pyramid. The flames are roaring there and there are pure, pure lava. The volcanic Material comes up the cone and starts to move to, to, toward the top where it will eventually come out the top of the uh, pyramid, white smoke, which is really, really hot, hot air. And that's love. And so we get the opportunity to express this energy all the way up in all seven uh, levels of thought and mind and being the secret to the spiritual aspect is to allow yourself the time to sink down out of the higher levels your brain your head your mind your thinking your control your time and space down into not necessarily the polarized sides of the pyramid but if you keep gratitude it'll keep you in the center core and let your body feel and experience the vision of the future. If we don't embody our visions, if we don't feel it, smell it, taste it, touch it, if we don't experience the visions we have of 2023, 
then we're intellectualizing the visions of 2023. And they will have possibly six out of the seven areas of life integrated in them. But the one that is absolutely core and fundamental to the manifestation of that vision into the future is self-belief. Self-talk, self-visualization, ownership, certainty, clarity, and that will only come by spending significant amounts of time in what's called a state of doing nothing, spiritual awareness. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.